Heavenly Father, use the words that I speak for your glory. Amen. How did you feel when you heard that 49 people had been gunned down? Ask Utah Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox on Monday night. That's the easy question. Here's the hard one. Did that feeling change when you found out the shooting was at a gay bar at 2 a.m.? If that feeling changed, then we are doing something wrong, he said. This week has certainly been difficult. Once again, tragedy strikes our nation. The talking heads begin speculating immediately, why? How? The LGBT community suffers. Friends killed. New wounds opened. New fears. Concern for the well-being of LGBT youth. The Latino community, too, much less vocal, even more afraid. Our country tries to resolve who would do such a thing. And very soon on, we hear about Omar Mateen. Was he someone with terrorist ties? Maybe. Was he gay? Quite possibly. Did others in his family know that he was mentally ill? Perhaps. The investigation still has many questions, but we are quick to blame. Quick. Quick to blame. Some blame Muslims, some blame homophobes, some blame politicians, some blame guns. This sermon is not going to play the blame game. Not in the way that's easy, at least. There are no easy answers. Within 24 hours of hearing about Omar Mateen, I began seeing photos online with various political figures or other known terrorists or people holding Confederate flags or symbols of one political organization or another with words at the bottom of their pictures that said, I am Omar Mateen, implying in those pictures that whomever the picture depicted, a Confederate or uh, some political figure or an Arab or a conservative, that they were the ones to blame for this. Again, I am not going to play the blame game. But I had an idea when I began reading today's gospel. Jesus is in the land of the Gerasenes, on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is a religious Jew going into another country to talk to pig farmers. Honestly, the modern-day equivalent of Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu going camping somewhere near an ISIS camp in Syria. But we're talking about Jesus, who goes where other people would dare not go. There he encounters a man who is suffering, living among the tombs, isolated, And and the man sees Jesus and shouts, What have you to do with me, Jesus, 
son of the most high God. Looking at our society, looking at the ills that plague who we are at our core, looking at the suffering we inflict upon each other, I ask the question too, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? You see, I do know that I am a beloved child of God. I know that Christ has redeemed the world and that I have been forgiven. I know that Jesus is my mentor and teacher and Lord. But even though Facebook got a thrill out of playing the blame game, I know there was a part of my past that contributed to Orlando. Not literally, but in the pain I inflicted upon others. You see, I too am Omar Mateen. I have never told this story in public or to almost anyone. When I was in high school, I knew I was gay. I wouldn't even dare say it to myself, but I knew it deep down. It was my dirty little secret. And I felt if anyone knew that even if God knew, I would be condemned and my life would be over. I decided instead that I would get religious. I'd go to church more. Or I'd do things to feel good about my self-righteousness about not being gay. Because that's what was expected by me in my small town in Texas. I'd go to great lengths to distance myself from gay people. I wouldn't be their friend. I sometimes, I'm ashamed to say, would say disparaging things about them. This was evil behavior that I did because other people inflicted evil behavior upon me and hurt me. Doesn't make my actions right at all. Might have made me feel worse, actually. I was gay and hated myself for it. And my hatred for myself hurt others, never in a violent way, but I hurt myself emotionally, and I hurt others with my words and actions. In my own self-hatred, in my shame, in my desire to make people feel bad about themselves, as bad as I felt about myself, I was and have been Omar Mateen, and I am deeply and profoundly sorry. What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Today I have to go with you where I would normally dare not go, because it hurts too much to normally be this vulnerable and to put myself out there like this. But I do it because I encourage you to do the same thing. How are we, Omar Mateen? Let me make myself clear. I say this not to imply that there is any shred of excuse for Omar Mateen's violence. There is no excuse. His behavior was beyond deplorable. It was cowardly, despicable, evil, and most definitely, most definitely, people, It was not an act of God. But it opens up a big can of worms. 
are we in some ways accomplices to evil that is somehow done on our behalf? In word, in our deeds, in our actions. Yes, this is hard, but we owe it to ourselves to think about this. We might feel so down on ourselves or just give up that we also ask, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? That's when we need to remember the rest of the story. We need to remember how the rest of the story is told. This man is healed. He is made well. The people from the surrounding countryside come to see and fear seizes them all. The healed man, he's well. And he wants to go away to another country back with Jesus. But Jesus tells him to return to your home, declare how much God has done for you. So he goes away, probably for the rest of his life, proclaiming throughout his country how much Jesus had done for him. And I know Jesus has done this for me. Not by forcing me to negate myself, who I truly am, but rather reminding and redeeming me to become the person who I am fully, to be open, to be honest, to be out, to learn how to love myself and, love, and to love others and to accept love as well. Jesus has redeemed me and helps me call others to find their redemption in Christ, whether they are slave or free, woman or man, gay or straight or trans or black, white, Latino, Arab, Asian, or whatever. We are all one beloved people, one community, one beloved community in Christ Jesus. Jesus has done and is doing the same thing for us. Jesus calls people like you and me to find our redemption through him. He does this for the entire community as well by gathering thousands of people around the world to remember the fallen, to pray for our enemies and for all who hate us, to give us new resolve to combat racism, homophobia, domestic violence, and terrorism wherever we see it. In Paul's letter to the Galatians, Paul says that, that Jesus is our new disciplinarian. I, I disagree. Our English translation we use in our Bible is off. What Paul is wanting to tell us in this is that in Jesus, Jesus is our, in the Greek word, pedagogies. Jesus is our mentor, our guide, our leader, who follows us into those tough conversations, who follows us into the realms of injustice, into those dark places that the world needs redemption. Jesus travels alongside us. And Paul says something even better. Jesus clothes us, clothes us with his presence. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Jesus is not out to hurt or condemn us. He's here to take away the hurt that we're feeling right now. 
Jesus takes the anger and blame and our preconceived notions about others. Jesus takes away our greatest vulnerabilities and our shame, takes away our shame and our hurtful behavior towards others, and instead wraps us, wraps us in garments of love and garments of acceptance and garments of strength. Garments of love to learn how to love others and see them as Christ sees them. Garments of acceptance to seek out those who are not included or who are not acceptable or accepted and to tell them boldly in the name of Jesus Christ, you are a child of God and you are a part of God's family. Garments of strength to face the days to come, to confront the harmful rhetoric we hear from extremists, to confront the messaging in society that shuts out any human being from full, full participation, to speak boldly a language of love that does not shame others for who they are, but calls them to their greater selves and strength to share with people how we have been transformed by Jesus Christ and are now able to walk in his light and his love every day for the rest of our lives. Because we have been saved by Jesus and told, you are beloved. Because baptism tells us that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Because when we gather each week to receive communion, we live into the fulfillment of Paul's letter to the Galatians that we are one, one beloved family, one beloved people, that we are all one in Christ Jesus forever. And in our act of worship and in our gathering, where we are literally reclothed in Christ, we affirm that Jesus tells us over and over and over again, you are created in the image of God. You are wonderful. You are a unique and fabulous creation of the divine, just as you are, and you are mine. This is the power that Jesus offers us today. A power to take his redemptive love and everlasting drive to unite us as one people to him. <coughs> to take this and to share it with others through our words, through making amends, through our actions, through having the tough conversations with our leaders, with our elected officials, and speaking truth to power. And through our commitment to healing the world, through our commitment to healing the world and living into Jesus' vision of the beloved community, something he calls over and over the kingdom of God. What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Everything. Absolutely everything. He's never going to stop loving you. He's never going to stop transforming you. He's never going to stop calling you into the fullest expression of you so that you can do the same for others. Time to start declaring to others how much God has done for you. You'll start healing the world.
You'll start seeing people in a new way. You'll build up a new part of God's beloved community. Together, Jesus makes us one.